The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. I did, I did have a thing about, uh, I did have an idea about uh, the seats. Padding? Yes. We take, um, we take old, the really old uh, Sci-Fi For Me t-shirts mm-hmm. that the youngling wore when he was like mm-hmm. six, mm-hmm. and they're tiny, mm-hmm. and we use those, and, and we put some foam on these stools. And we use those T-shirts, so then they're logoed. They're yeah. logoed mm-hmm. stools. Yes. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. This episode of H Two O. My name is Jason Hunt, and I am Tim Harvey. And uh, uh, before we get into our topic, yes, a correction. Oh, Melinda, who is one of our new listeners, mm-hmm. pointed out that I'm in error. Okay. Last week I we do talk- that too, Melinda. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Only he does it a little bit more, less, no, a little bit less politely. You're wrong! Um, Off the air, and most he's of the, the time. And the nice one. I am the, nice, the nice one. one. Uh, no, uh, last week we were talking about the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. We were talking about various different books and the Star Trek extended universe that we had, uh, that we had enjoyed, that we liked. Sure. Mentioned Ishmael mm-hmm. by Barbara Hamley. And I said... That the characters in Ishmael are the same characters from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Right. Turns out that is not the case. Aha. Uh-huh. It's been a long time wrong. since I read it, so I was not able to, you know, I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell you you're right was, or wrong. I was mistaken. And um, it was not Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It was uh, Here Come the Brides. Mm. Now, Mark Leonard was in it. He did, he did play Aaron Stemple. So that was that was correct. I, I was right about that. Melinda also pointed out that also in that cast of the movie mm-hmm. is Robert Brown playing uh, Jason Bolt, the older of the Bolt brothers. Okay. He played Lazarus in The Alternative Factor. Oh, okay. Sure. And it also turns out that David Soule was in that movie. He was in The Apple Right. You know the one yeah, with the yeah. big paper mache dragon? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. So David Soul was in that episode of Star Trek, and he, of course, went on to play Ken Hutchinson right. in Starsky and Hutch. Right. Which kind of dovetails a little bit. Moves into, around. Yeah, yeah kind of. See? All right. So earlier this week, the internet delivered to me a shiny squirrel in the form of a video. Now, for those of you who are uh, watching. On Sci-Fi for Me TV, I'm not going to show you the video, but we will have a link to it. Uh, it was the opening title sequence of Xena Warrior Princess, mm-hmm. done by a fan mm-hmm. in stop-motion Lego minifigures. That'd be kind of cool to watch. Okay, it was it was it was fairly well done. Mm-hmm. It was pretty accurate. I mean, because it's basically just taking. You know, right, it's sure. The, the audio from the from the title sequence mm-hmm. and and doing the the Lego stop motion version of it. Right, and uh, it was it was fairly well done, and of course, it puts the Xena theme in my head for the rest of the week. Of course, yeah. <sighs> Which you know, after a while, it's it's a perfectly fine piece of music. Don't get me wrong. It just wouldn't go away. But it wouldn't go away. So that's so I've got that in my head. And the last week... I have a song that can always get worse for you if you want one. 
Is it by Rick Astley? No, no. Uh, Lonely Boy by Andrew Gold, the worst pop song written in the history of, of all pop songs. Oh. You know, the one about his... I'm it, just a lonely boy. Yeah, yeah, where, where, yeah, yeah. his entire life is terrible because he has a little sister. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Right. I can relate. Whiny, <laughs> terrible, god-awful song. There, w- there was a time... I say that. I, I, I make a joke. There was a time my sister and I did not get along. There was a time that my sister and I just didn't, you know, we, I'm, you know, brother and sister. Sure, right, yeah. Sure, right, siblings. And um, so now we're we're fine. Now we get along just mm-hmm. fine. So, you know, we're, we've, we're past that um, how dare you be alive phase, right? <laughs> I would hope so at this point in yes. your life. Yes, we are. So, okay, so uh, so besides besides the Xena theme. Also, uh, I, I ran across this thing last last week. I think it was a, it's it's a meme, mm-hmm. and it says here it's a picture of Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor, mm-hmm. and the picture they look really good. See, yeah, I'll show yeah. I'll show you the picture. Mm-hmm. See the picture. You can't see the picture there, and, and, and the the little caption at the bottom: Harrison Ford is still Han Solo at seventy three. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is still the Terminator at sixty-eight, right? Sylvester Stallone is still Rambo at sixty-five. Yep. So why do we need a new Xena and Gabrielle? Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor are only in their forties. I looked this up. Lucy Lawless is forty-eight. Mm-hmm. Renee O'Connor is forty-five. There is no reason. Why you cannot continue the Xena storyline, right? With Lucy Lawless and Gabrielle O'Connor. Now we know agree. that there is going to be a remake, reboot, right? Thing. Yep. Lucy Lawless's husband, John Tappert, who was one of the co-creators of the original show, right, with Sam Raimi, is involved in the reboot. Mm-hmm. So it's an official, everything's okay, we're all good, we're all playing nice reboot. It's not one of these terrible, terrible, terrible things, right? But in in preparation for our Echo Chamber episode, where we're going to be talking about this general topic of remakes and reboots, are are they a good thing or a bad thing, I, I was looking at, you know, not only the fact that we have Harrison Ford coming back, it's both Han Solo and Indiana Jones. We right. have Schwarzenegger back. We have uh, uh, Stallone back, both as Rambo and as Rocky Balboa. Sure. And an excellent movie. Rocky Balboa, that, that last movie, not Creed, but Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. excellent film. I highly recommend it. I I've don't, heard really good things about Creed. I have not seen it yet. I haven't seen Creed yet either. I've heard good things about that one. And, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan actually had a part that he could play that people liked, sounds like. Well, he was in a film that had a good script. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not only that, but you have Bruce Campbell back mm-hmm. as Ash. And if you had any question about Lucy Lawless still being able to do the action stuff, Let's just go to that particular tape. Uh, yeah, roll that beautiful bean footage, shall we? <laughs> she's doing fine uh, over on over on yeah, Evil she Dead. Yes, and and she can handle the action sequences because we, you know, she's doing some of that over on Agents of Shield. And there is such a thing called stunt people, and they and yes. they they use them for people who are much much younger. 
Wait, uh, what? Yes, it's true. What? It's true. Uh, Do you know the same guy who does the Daredevil fight scenes is the same guy who doubles for Captain America? No, same I didn't stunt know double. that. I did not know same, that. Same fight sequences. He's, he does, he's a fight coordinator. He's a fight sequence guy. Yeah? Yeah. He's Captain America and, and Daredevil. Daredevil. My and those are just the, those are just the two that I Boom. know of off the top of my head, as opposed yeah. to the. I mean, he probably does more than that. Probably, probably. Yeah, so, but yeah, yeah. So, um, so I got to think. There's, and we're not going to talk about reboots and re- remakes in general. We're going to keep that over on the echo chamber, sure. which we're about to record uh, later this week. But is there? And you know, here here we are, two old white guys talking about this. Again, is there? <laughs> Still, <laughs> sorry, can't change it. Um, is there a disconnect between bringing back these? I mean, because all of these characters were popular in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, we haven't seen anything about uh, Kevin Sorbo coming back as Hercules, but most of everything else is back. You know, Battlestar Galactica had a reboot. Knight mm-hmm. Rider had a reboot. Bionic Woman had a reboot. Mm-hmm. Starskin Hutch had a movie. All with Dude's varying degrees of success and failure. And I actually have a theory. Mm-hmm. And I want, I, I'm going to save that theory for Echo Chamber because oh, okay. it's, a, it's, a broader, mm-hmm. it's a broader scope theory. Sure. But just to put the theory out there, I think that sequels – Seaboots, requels, whatever you call them, tend to do better than complete reboot remakes. Um, and I have lists on both that I can make that. Case, I was going to say that that, can, that it's going to it's going to depend yeah. on on the property and how it's handled because I think your Battlestar Galactica. Well, see, Battlestar Galactica was not uh, to me. I I would argue that Battlestar Galactica was not a reboot. Or a remake. It was, let's take this idea and make something completely brand new out of it. Because that's, that's, they that's, called, a, that's called a reboot or a remake. Uh, yeah, but it, this one, this, uh, that one was a little bit more extreme than what you would normally see. Well, but I think, reboot, I think so. that, that that's, and obviously something to get into deeper on Echo Chamber, but the, the benefit of doing that is that you... You both are not constrained by the previous version's continuity, mm-hmm. right? Which, and we can talk, we'll talk about this more when we talk about Xena. Um, but you're also not you're not trapped in fan expectation because you break mm-hmm. it right away. Maybe you if said, it's done right, because because you're, if it's done, if right. you completely, you know, we've talked about Starsky and Hutch before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about that whole series of remakes of the eighties of, you know, the, the seventies and eighties TV show properties yeah, where they right. just completely missed the tone and why it was fun and why they were, why they laugh at it now versus why they think they should be laughing at it now. The, if they had done, well, we can go even quicker. We can go even closer. Miami Vice TV All show right, and right, the movie. Right. Completely different. And, and much closer in time actually yeah, than right. a lot of these things. Yeah. And, um, very very different tones. Same guy behind the projects. Yeah, Michael Mann uh, did both of those. And right. do you is is the movie version something that's on the on the lips of everyone these days? 
It, did it did it change fashion? Did it no. change style? No. Did it have a culture impact that would be one of those TV shows that you look back and wonder, why were we all tuning in to watch that show every week? No. But everybody did. Everybody did. Yep. So. Jan Hammer's, <coughs> Jan Hammer's theme song. Oh, God. Classic. Fun. But you look at, I mean. I, st- I still have it on a tape somewhere. A tape. A cassette tape. <laughs> I have a cassette tape of the I, Miami Vice soundtrack. It's I am got convinced. Both versions. I have. I do not know this for a fact, but I am convinced that there is a box in my parents' basement that holds the Gordon Lightfoot greatest hits mm. uh, eight track. Yeah, that was the feature of our trips to Iowa when I was a child. I'm convinced. I'll have to find out if that's actually true. They, my, I, my my parents may have actually said we're never going to listen to an eight track again <laughs> and thrown it away. But I have. I'm sure. I have some boxes still in my parents' garage, mm. but I have a forty-five of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, yeah. from mm-hmm. from Gordon Lightfoot. So I'm right there with you. I I am not a huge Gordon Lightfoot fan. I, he's perfect. He's perfectly you know just not my music, uh-huh. right? Um, Child of the Eighties. There's a whole. I got a. I mean, but I I know all the words. <laughs> When we sing everything he's ever written, I think. I heard it all. I want to say it was um, summer after Mm. eighth grade, I think. There was one year, and I can't remember exactly which year it was. We took a trip to Washington, D.C. from Dallas. So Dallas, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, all through, you know, Nashville, Knoxville, up through, you know, Virginia's and whatnot. Yeah. And invariably, no matter where we were across country, mm-hmm. Juice Newton. Oh, God. Queen Hearts. Oh yeah. Every single mm-hmm. radio station from mm, yeah, Dallas yeah, sure. to Washington D.C. and back. So, kids, if you are uh, uh, listening to pop music today and you sit there and go, "Why do I keep hearing the same five songs <laughs> over and at every station?" Guess what? It's not new. No, it's it's. It, we were going no. through it too. Yeah, but by the time we got done. I I knew all of the oh, lyrics yeah. to Queen of Hearts from Juice Newton. Now, now, where is she now? Now, not to bash my parents' taste in music, because out of that, I got a healthy appreciation for classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, have a, sure. a healthy appreciation, actually extreme love of Three Dog Night, The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. um, David Bowie, uh, a lot of the great uh, blues artists, B.B. Mm-hmm. Uh, King. B.B. King, my love for B.B. King music started when I was like five. Yeah. Um, I had to wait till college to get into jazz because my dad hates jazz. But mm. I impressed my youngling the other day. Mm. Uh, the local classic radio station does a thing every day at three o'clock mm-hmm. called My Three Songs, and they play oh, okay, three sure. songs in a row. You have to guess what they all have in common. Oh, okay. okay. So they start out with you mentioned Jimi Hendrix. They start out with Jimi Hendrix, um, all along the Watchtower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they played. Um, Oh, I can't remember what the second one was, but the third one was uh, Steve Miller's Joker. Mm-hmm. Well, all the all three of them mention a Joker in the lyrics. Okay, sure. You know, so it was pretty easy for me to, you know, oh, hey, well, it's Joker in the lyrics. Right. And he kind of looks sideways at me like, what? <laughs> well, you should call in. I was like, nah, I'm not going to call in. And uh, sure enough, mm-hmm. all three songs had a Joker in the lyrics. Yep. It's like, I could have won that. 
Had no idea what they were giving away. It was probably something that I didn't want anyway. Let that be a lesson to you. If you don't enter, you can't win. That's I right. I believe that's the tagline for like every contest ever. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> we digress. And that actually brings me to another point from a listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the, official, the official program monitor. So right. Son- Sonia yeah. made, made the point earlier this week mm-hmm. that our more recent episodes, yeah, yeah. we have digressed a lot less. And have stayed on topic than our first 75 episodes. <sighs> well, clearly we're off our game. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're made up for it today. Um, but yeah, no, I... I it, no, I don't... Yeah, okay, yes, it's a digression, and I think it is It is very much in keeping with our trends to digress. digress. But it's also part of one of the reasons that I'm, I have mixed feelings about a Xena reboot. Or any anything, even when you've got the original people... The original production people, not the original actors involved. Uh, right. Um, because so much of what you and I talk about when we digress into the past and talk about our childhood or whatever, or college or teenage years, is it's a time and a place that's specific culturally. Yes. And for the same thing, same reasons why we talk about the way television used to be versus television now. I talk about storytelling differences mm-hmm. between television. You know, again, for the bazillionth time, I will point out that serialized television outside of soap operas is relatively new. Yes, and in the Mur- hist- Murder One, I think was one of the something first ones. like that, and that was the nineties. Uh-huh. So before that, it was episodic, and um, in fact, Xena uh, episodic. Hercules, episodic, all those things. Although Xena had kind of an arc, well, and, a little bit, but it wasn't. Would, it wasn't a, a. It wasn't blatant. Syndicated every, television had a little more freedom because syndicated TV had the the rules were different yeah. than network TV. And yeah. we talk about we've talked about how Netflix has, you know, completely different business model and the storytelling model is very different than than ABC or NBC or Fox. Right. Uh, syndicated in many ways had that. That a lot of freedom there too. You got your if if you were a teenage boy and could pick up the scrambled signals for Cinemax at night past nine o'clock, <laughs> the programming was all going to be adult programming. That's just what it was. Yeah. Um, but Silk Stockings mm. over on was that USA? USA. Yeah. That was, um, yeah. US, Silk wow. so- Silk Stocking pushed the boundary. Yeah. For what you could show and what you could talk about, it was a for the time. Now it wouldn't be anything. For the time, it was very racy, um, and they were and they were and they were deliberately pushing. Didn't they make that in Dallas? Didn't they shoot that in Dallas? I think they did. I think that was a Dallas. But they were thing. deliberately pushing up against because they could. Yeah. Because it was syndication. Syndication was a whole different, different ball game. Yeah. For storytelling stuff. So, it, you look at some of those shows and the way they were made and the kinds of stories they were telling. And what was going on in terms of how the shows were interacting with fans were very much part of the culture. That it, it was the way that we, as viewers, were living our lives, mm-hmm. the culture we were living in, right. the America we were living in, the television, the type of programming that was available to us, where we got our programming. Um, it there's so many things that factor into this that is. I think really tied up with that. We need to make America great again. We need to bring that America back. (laughs) 
Sorry, I had to. You just you left that right open. I know. <laughs> I know I did. I feel bad. Yes, yes, yes. Well, okay, I think the good news is is that we are actually in a period of we uh, we are not going to get into politics. No. Um but we are in a great period of programming, which we are getting that, you know, that yeah. amazing thing which <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, guys, coming down off a cold. Um when you look at shows like Xena or Hercules or um, Mutant X, or War of the Worlds, War of the Worlds, or any, any of that stuff that came out of that time period, um, Next Generation, yeah, or some of these other things, uh, um, Nowhere Man. I want, I want oh, someone to yeah. remake. I want a remake. Okay, this is me asking for a remake. Remake that Nowhere was... Man. It got one season. Yeah, squandered opportunity. Um, Bruce Davidson? Bruce Davidson? No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Bruce yeah. Davidson. Bring, bring him back. He can play the part again. That's not a part that has an age requirement. That's true. He's, he's look at, look. and it doesn't have to be a reboot. It could just be a sequel. It could, you could just, you could just pick him up. It would be really wow. hard to explain the ending of that show. And on the other hand, there's a plot way to do it for you right there. Considering how many prisoner, the prisoner, the original uh, Patrick McGowan, yeah, BBC show, yep, um, that was. Uh, <laughs> How much that was a reference to that show? How much of the prisoner influenced, blatantly influenced that show? And they were they acknowledge it in production. Uh, yes. Okay. Make this happen. All right. He was. A, <laughs> uh, I I will accept this remake reboot, um, and if you get it right, um, I will be. I'll take my check. And there's and there's a there's an episode where he pretends to be Batman. <laughs> Here's an episode where he he uh, he goes and. Works with a young, up, uh, snotty, upstart start captain. Becomes a father figure to him. Oh wait. Um, so anyway, um, there there were a lot of there were a lot of actually shows out of that time period that went so far and then kind of fell apart. Yeah, there was a lot of experimentation in that storytelling time. There was. There was. Um, in fact, when you think about it, we we forget. I think a lot of people forget. No, the fans don't. But the modern audiences may not realize so much that Xena was a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Right. So Hercules was first. spinoff of uh, Hercules, right. And to be perfectly honest, I think it's the better... Well, I'm not the only one who thinks it's a better written show of the two. Mm-hmm. Not to knock Hercules. Hercules was a lot of fun. There, was a, there, was, there, was not, there were some good storylines in Hercules. Right. But Xena... Connected and, and it was in a bigger in a bigger scale, and, and they got to do some more interesting. Well, they had a redemption arc to play with, right? Right, yeah, fun. because she was evil, terrible, terrible, terrible person. Yes, who did terrible, terrible things, and who often didn't do very nice things, even on her redemption arc. Well, no, that was what because, that was. You know, she was a terrible person, and she yeah. even acknowledged that she was a terrible right. person. That was the whole thing about. I don't even, you know, she's like, I don't even want to go there. She was, she was going to get away. She was going away mm-hmm. and got pulled into this whole thing to be a hero and stuff. And that's as far as I've gotten in the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I started because uh, I've, been, I've been binge-watching various different shows. Right, yeah. And uh, I've, gotten, I've gotten into Farscape quite a, quite a ways into Farscape. Brilliant show. Um, I've seen... I watched the the first episode of Hercules and Xena, mm-hmm. and then I got I got sidetracked into 
uh, Deep Space Nine. I binge watched right. all of Deep Space Nine. Just just uh, mm-hmm. just finished it a few weeks ago. Which, in all fairness, to as much as praise as I'm going to heap on on Xena tonight, um, <laughs> Deep Space Nine's a better show. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. But it's sorry, it's, fans. A, it's again, it's one Please of those blame me. since it's since it's a syndicated show. Yeah. Yeah. They could play with arcs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now with Xena, you have you have some potential here with the reboot because Lucy Lawless and Gabrielle O'Connor have aged just fine. Oh yes, lovely women. And physically, I think they could still take the parts. Mm-hmm. So they could they could handle they could handle a lot of the a lot of the physical and oddly enough for as much as as much as I think the valid complaint about Hollywood's poor treatment of actresses as they get older mm. is very valid. We're starting to see just enough that I think you could do it because the audiences don't have the necessary the view as the execs do, right? And I think that that would be you know just as. And I'm wondering if some of that is loosening up a little bit more in the genre before it loosens okay. up everywhere else. Yes, it is. I, I would I would say that it is because the genre genre audiences, I think, in genre audiences, don't care as much about the who the actor is in a lot of cases. Um, yes. Okay. Ash well, versus the Evil Dead. Yeah. You need to have Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. But you can have an Evil Dead movie. That doesn't have Bruce Campbell. If you write it well and it's got the gore and the things that the fans people are the people are fans of a lot of things for the original Evil Dead films. No. But part of it, and yes, Bruce Campbell and the humor but, is part of it. But part of it is the extreme over the top gore. But the remake turns out is not necessarily a remake, right? <laughs> so, but the thing is, is that. If you, because Bruce Campbell says, who knows if they're ever going to cross con, cross the the two yeah. stories. Yeah, he did allow for that possibility. He did, and the fact that he shows up at the very spoilers. Yeah, the fact that he shows up at the very end of that movie. Right, groovy. But I think that you you can, depending on your on your audience, your genre audience, you know, they're going to be more ex- accepting of Helen Mirren with the bazooka. Over in red. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be more accepting of having oh one of the main characters in, um, what what's uh, oh and I just drew a complete like I was reviewing the show, sci-fi the the space opera show oh uh, dark matter no no no, no, the, no the good uh, one um, and, and I and I just binge watched no, dark matter no dark matter is no, pretty good I binge dark watched dark matter I enjoyed dark um, matter a lot but you're no, talking the, about the expanse the expanse yes. one of the main characters is a woman is an actress in her. 50s, 60s. Well, Glenn and Close, she's, she's Glenn Close, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, sure, but but there's a when you when it comes to, when it comes to the big budget Hollywood pictures, you're looking at action films right. and superhero movies, right? Yep. yep. You're seeing more superhero movies, except genre characters, because because everybody wants to be in a Marvel movie right now, and so Glenn Close was like, "Can I be in an Marvel movie? I I, I wouldn't mind being in a Marvel and, movie." And they say. Do we want Glenn Close in our movie? And everyone goes, "Yeah." What are, are you asking dumb questions now? I'm waiting. Give I'm, her some money. <laughs> I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the big crossover between Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. So Michael Douglas and Glenn Close can have a scene together again. There will be a bunny. <laughs> it will the not you, end well the for the inter, bunny. The internet would explode. <laughs> Oh, I, I have really hard time thinking James Gunn wouldn't just sit there and go, 
we're writing that scene. <laughs> it'll, right? it'll be it'll be a bunny right? looking alien, and it'll be behind him, and something will happen. The bunny will like burst into flames. When 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 Kurt Russell shows Make up, make this happen. When Kurt Russell shows up, yeah. I expect somebody, and maybe it's Ro- Rocket Raccoon. Somebody has got to say something. Oh yeah, to reference either alien uh uh, the thing Mm -hmm. or big trouble in little china oh yeah or escape from new york oh yeah one of those one of those things and and if there isn't smells like a snake in here and if if there isn't shame on them i mean come on guys but oh howard the duck could say the line (laughs) anyway (laughs) Uh, oh yeah come on this is the director who brought howard the duck back he'll he's willing to go there yes and we're gonna go get more coffee we are you hear from our sponsor superherostuff.com they are uh uh, they've been supporting us for quite a while now yes they have and so uh you know we'll we'll let you hear from them we do recommend that you go if you need stuff you need any kind of licensed merchandise you know uh uh, mugs and lunch boxes t-shirts and And give yourself some time they've got a lot of stuff to go through and it is it is very cool. And we actually still have to put our order in. We do together. have to put an order in, yes. All right. So we are yes. going to uh, we are going to let you hear from them. We're going to get uh, more coffee, and we will be back with more discussion of the Xena casting question when H2O continues right after this. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious Crumbs only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hello. And uh, we are talking about the proposed in-production soon to be arriving at some point, sometime down the road, reboot. So we're talking 2016, but there's no way. No. A lot of things have been moving out of 2016. Reboot of Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Not going to be out until 2017 now. I'm not remotely shocked about that, actually. 
this is another topic that we need to cover at some point. I think they're talking. We're talking about doing it maybe as an echo chamber discussion, so we can have the entire group yeah. discuss our uh, various levels of disappointment in the handling of the 50th anniversary of Star right. Trek, yeah. because it was not handled well. No, and that's a pretty universal opinion among yeah. most fans. Uh, and not because of the Axonar thing either. It's because just no, in no. general, it's yeah. just I mean, a mess. But Xena, well, okay. So what kind of what kind of stories could you do now? It's it's pretty much a given at this point that there's going to be a new Xena, and I said Gabrielle O'Connor. Gabrielle's the character, Renee right, O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, right. um, there's going to be a new Xena and Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a given. We know that. We don't know if Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor are going to be involved. It would make sense to put them in somehow, but sure. we'll see. Um, but if if you were to do a show that had them back in those roles, what kind of stories could you tell now that maybe either you couldn't tell back then or you wouldn't tell back then because time had not allowed you to earn those stories yet? Because there are certain certain stories you can tell after a certain amount of time, like a fight between two heroes who have been best friends for 30-some-odd years. Or someone oh, sacrificing wait. themselves to save a crew that they barely seem to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no uh, speaking of which, Kendallson sent me a text today. Yeah. He says, I'm finally doing it. I'm going to sit down and watch Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he has to say. Two and a half hours later, I get another text from oh, him. Oh, dear. He says, it's terrible. The Screen Junkies, um, Everything Wrong With. Oh, yeah. Okay. They released the Everything Wrong With, the extended version mm-hmm. of Batman vs. Superman. And they're like, okay, this is just more information. Okay, good. The problem is, <laughs> and it was yeah. like same kind of. Yeah, their, their score was was pretty much consistent with their yeah. with the original score. Is yeah, guys, no. Yeah. So what what kind of stories what kind of stories could you tell with older Xena and Gabby? Well, um, and I guess spoiler alert since you're at the beginning of the series, um, the final episode involves a something that was widely interpreted as being a kiss kiss between the two characters, right? And including among the cast. And um, uh, Lucy Lawless basically saying, at this point, she views the characters as married. So, there's some obvious things right there, because fandom is viewing that in large part, too, right. for those characters. So, 20 years later, a lot of marriages don't survive. You could actually start off the character with the two of them with the two of them separated, and the kid has gone to the dark side. And, well, and... hopefully not. <laughs> Do not go that route. Um, although they probably, you know, be, uh, you know, I don't know. I part of me says you could see Xena as a mother figure, them having them having created a family, you know, with whether however they however they did, because Xena's character is bisexual in the in the TV show, um, and I'm. Uh, I, I, there's so many different things you could play with there, but I could see them being a family unit of, of, that they've decided to create a family that it falls apart. Although that would almost be cheap, yeah, because you almost want to feel because it's it's 
Well, it's and almost, it's almost the laziest of the decisions to make. Yeah, and well, see, and the other thing mm. too is uh, drama you know, for drama. Not not to get into politics, mm. but if if you are to show uh, a same sex couple the the goal with some progressive politics side of things would be to show that being the more stable relationship because well, it's I don't, better. I don't, uh, yeah, some people would do it. Okay, some well, people would do it. All right. It. But, as, but as a progressive and as someone who uh, have, having a you know, gay daughter um, who I sincerely hope has a long-term, perhaps gets married, whatever, whatever relationship structure she wants to have in her life because – I'm single. I can't sit there and go get yeah. married. But you know, I I sincerely hope that she has one and it lasts for years and years and years. But but we've seen this in complaints about the the kill your lesbians trope because well, with the kill when the, you hmm. when you take okay so uh, hmm, we're gonna go on, go on. the 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 protected groups have said we need representation we want to be treated just like all the other characters all the other things and all this right so if they get killed at random like some of them do or if something happens to them in the story not because of whatever class they are but because that's what happens to them in the story sure then they complain because well but again the kill, the, the your, les- the kill your lesbian trope has become a trope because it's a recurring thing that becomes I understand an that. obvious thing. I understand so, that. So it's it's like but, it's like killing the black guy at the beginning <coughs> of the horror zone. It's also sloppy and lazy writing. That. But I'm just saying, if well, if yeah, you yeah. take if you take the <coughs> if you take the lazy way out, and sure. their Zena and Gabby, whatever whatever relationship they had at the end of the show, has now fallen apart, and they've broken up, and whatever, mm-hmm. you will have a certain segment of the audience complain. Oh well, okay, yes. But you're also no matter what you're gonna do, you're gonna have a certain segment of the audience complain. Yes, because these are the days of the internet. Well, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but and this is people like to complain. Well, people like to complain, but it's also the fans fell in love with the characters for whatever reasons they fell in love with the characters, whether it's a, you know uh, straight audiences or gay audiences or or folks who were genre fans or folks who became genre fans because of it or folks who just like the show because whatever it is that about that show yeah, it was fun um, there's a lot of different reasons people became fans of that show they became fans of that show because of the two people playing the parts yes and my biggest concern about a reboot remake whatever you want to do with it without those two actresses in the role is that you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle you're trying to capture mm-hmm. no you're not just trying to capture lightning in a bottle you're trying to capture the lightning bolt yeah. that revives the monster the same lightning the bolt the same lightning bolt you yeah. want you want the same lightning bolt that's that turned Barry Allen into the flash it's going to turn Wally West. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on a second. Um, yeah. And that's tough. Star Trek, the Star Trek reboot. Okay. Uh-huh. It took them three films, three very expensive films to get to the point where I, and there are people who disagree with me, where I felt the cast was finally where they needed to be to play those, because the, 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 the actors have had that long now to work with each other to 
to come close to capturing that feel. They're right. still not there. They're never going to be there because they're not going to be Shatner, Nimoy, Kelly, Dewan, um, you know, any of those, you know, Takei. They're not going to be those folks. Right. Because the way that some of these shows work, the way that the, the, the success of these shows are so tied in to who the actors were, where we were as audiences, what we wanted in our stories. This stuff is so connected. Mm-hmm. And it's why remakes, you know, re- the movie remake thing doesn't work a lot. But this kind of thing is different because fans, it's not like Doctor Who, where you can recast <laughs> the show every few years entirely. Well, and look re- at, you can redesign the house, you can, you can change the set, yep. the, and, and the entire cast and crew. Look at, uh, uh, look at uh, Knight Rider. Uh-huh. Cla- Knight Rider, I think, is probably the best example of it because... Well, that and Bionic Woman, uh, those hey, two. Bionic Woman more so, but go ahead. The the complete recasting of everything and taking the same idea and and recycling it. I guess I guess Bionic Woman would have done it worse um, because Knight Rider was technically a sequel, but it was not really. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but yeah, I think when you get into that kind of thing, it you you do run the risk of offending the fans of the original to the point where they will completely shut you out. Well, and I think that I think that's what happened with Bionic Woman and Knight Rider because one, they were terrible shows. Two, the fans let them know they were terrible yeah. shows, and the network sat there and went. I think these are terrible shows. Let's cancel them. <laughs> See, and I had I had less of I hate this show with Bionic Woman than I think a lot of people did. Oh, I could stand it. It was terrible. Well, terrible show. My issue with Bionic Woman was they kind of waited until the tail end of the first season to really get into anything interesting. I I thought, I, I thought it was it did not move. It's the kind of show that really needs to grab you right away. Right. And it didn't. No. And by the time you get to the end of the first season, they are finally kind of almost tentatively getting themselves into into interesting territory. Yeah. And by I, that, it's way too late. I knew... There's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where you can, you know, it's going to keep you on the show. Well, and, well <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They brought Lucy Lawless in. I know. For how many episodes? Everybody was all excited because Lucy Lawless is going to be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then she wasn't anymore. Yeah, well. But um, with, with Bionic Woman, I knew they were going to have problems from the get-go when they announced it. At the very, very beginning, they hadn't even started production yet. And the description, the character description came out for Jamie Summers mm-hmm. being a bartender. Mm-hmm. And I knew right then, they don't get it. Well, this, is, this is not that show. Jamie Summers is not a bartender. The whole idea about her becoming the superhero mm-hmm. is because she she had it, it was complete happenstance for one. Which right. okay, she's a bartender. That's fine, but that that type I don't want to say that type of job because I've never done it. But the bartender to superhero is a lot different from athlete to superhero or teacher to superhero See, because that, it just to me it just it speaks about me. it speaks to the character the well, core it, of the character well, it could it's, and it, it, they, is, it, it showed they didn't understand shorthand. yeah but it showed they didn't understand jamie summers at all well, see, I, I would I would argue that 
on the very simple on the very simple fact that they were going for a show that was concept and name. Yeah. And That's not and not going for not not for a remake. Which they, they, it was is, a true reboot. And it worked just fine when they did it for Battlestar Galactica. Right. And they thought they could do it again with, with Bionic well, Woman. And, and, and I, they think, couldn't. I think that's the, that's the issue. And I think it would really have benefited Dear Hollywood, <laughs> your next Bionic Woman show <laughs> or your Bionic Woman movie or whatever, you, whatever you're going to Ch- try and chisel bring on, yeah, yeah. Chisel on a tablet. Thank right. you. Um, do the Bionic Man first. Do the six million? It won't be six million dollar man. There's that's, that's the six billion dollar man. Chump change now. Um, the with Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark. <laughs> oh no! As the no. six billion dollar man, it's actually no. no. It's in. That's they're doing it. Like I said, one of no. these days. One of these days. No, stop. Days. No, do not do that. For the love of God, just fine, Matt Damon. I don't care. Just give me somebody who can actually move and act. <laughs> no offense to the Marky Mark fans. I'm not. I'm What's not the last time he was he was Marky Mark? When's the last time he was? When's the last time he's done anything good? Oh, uh, well, there's that. Sorry, again, I'm aware that he has fans. Is it Mark? I'm, is it Mar- Mar- yeah? Mark, Mark Wahlberg's Wahlberg. doing that, not not so, Donnie. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, but the, no, the thing is, is that the one of the reasons why the Bionic Woman had a fan base way back in the day, um, aside from just <laughs> a fantastic cast, mm. who was just a lot of fun to watch is the fact that we'd already established this character. Yes. And so there was a reason to care about this character that the audience didn't have to... The audience already had that character brought into a show that, again, the $6 million man did not have story arcs, really. Not much. You know, a couple episodes would link over. and Maybe, maybe you might have a trilogy, you know, three episodes that connected in one way or another. Bigfoot. Of course. Or characters that would come back. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie Summers would come back. Um, even though she died. Even though she died. <laughs> <laughs> comic book death? Uh, sure. Right. <laughs> right. Not just limited to comic books. Yes. Um, I just realized something. Mm-hmm. We've gone this entire time in this show. Mm-hmm. And we're probably, you know, 40, what, 45 minutes into yeah, it, maybe? Sure. And uh, we're shooting we're shooting the video for, yeah. for Stuff After Me TV. Mm-hmm. And the sign's not on. Just so anyway. Um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, look at that. That's hey, much Mike. better. Now we're in color. <laughs> <laughs> bing, uh, bing, bing. Uh, oops. Um. Anyway, Co- it, lack of coffee will do that to you, folks. No kidding. My day started very early this morning. Of course, you know everybody that's listening to this in, in the podcast form. Doesn't care that the sign's on no, or not. No, no, so. yes, that they care a lot, Jason. But for for Xena, yeah, I I guess I take a small amount of comfort in knowing that Tappert is involved. Mm-hmm. I think Raimi's involved too. I believe so. But considering the fact that Tappert is actually married to Xena, right. you would think that he's probably got a little bit of a handle on the character. And if he does it wrong. You'll <laughs> hear about it. You'll <laughs> hear about it, honey. <laughs> right? I mean, I've been reading your scripts. <laughs> at the very least, mm-hmm. she's got to be giving an opinion. Well, you know what? She he has does have an advantage of having for for a lot of characters, for a lot of genre characters, the actors are so connected. 
to the character and their fans mm-hmm. that they're going to know when the character is being treated poorly. Right. And that is actually an advantage for the show because she can sit there and say, you know, Xena would never do that. Right. <laughs> or, or that's great. I, I, I love this moment. This is fantastic. So whoever, yeah. who, the actress who is going to play the part is going to have, you know, a, a great moment there. And, and, mm-hmm. and if they get the right actress, you know, they're going to be able to tell that she's going to be able to read that and go, that's going to connect with audiences in a, in a genius way. Yeah. And so that's really, that's really uh, amazing. The director of the show, um, the produce, he's producing, he's writing. Right. And I'm going to mangle his name, even though he listened to it a couple of times. Javier Grio, where is it? Mark. Mark Wash. I mangled it for you. Thank you. All right. Okay. So, but he did, he created the middleman. Which was uh, very well received by fans, very well received, not yeah. by critics. And Didn't critics, do very well numbers wise. Wrong, because that show was awesome. What are you going to do? But he also worked on some of the better seasons of Lost. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's he he comes uh, charmed, Law and Order, SVU. I mean, he's he's got a good pedigree for in terms of in terms of his writing. Yep. Um, so the production team seems really solid. I'm just honestly really concerned about. Who they're going to cast? Who they're going to cast? And I think you almost have to cast unknowns. I think, I think that you mm-hmm. have to pull folks who don't come with any ba- other baggage, cult, uh, expectations. Well, yeah, because preconceived notions, perceptions. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they have to. They have to have the freedom as actors, because they're already stepping into other people's shoes. Yeah. And when you even well, okay, honestly, you you using the Star Trek uh, reboot reference, those actors, you know, Zachary Quinto was probably the most famous. Uh, Zoe Saldana and Zachary Quinto were probably the most famous outside of genre circles. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Simon Pegg certainly, you know, had a bigger footprint uh, in terms of work, but if you weren't uh, outside of British comedies. Mm-hmm. You might not necessarily know him. Right. Uh, Zachary Quinto was in Heroes. Uh, Zoe Saldana had already done quite a few things at that point. But Chris Pine, relatively unknown. He was in that one with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, you know, what if, and I think that actually helped. And his him. dad was on Chips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's that's an important key point <laughs> right there. But I think I think there's <clears throat> that uh, that helped him. That's a reboot still waiting to happen. Chips? Chips. It's, it's, they announced it. Yeah, I know, but the, the thing about point. Chips is that they never shot anybody. And you cannot do a show about cops anymore without them <laughs> shooting someone. Now, now, now. No, no, legitimately, I think that, because that's the, the, the best, the best storytelling yeah. stuff that happens in police shows. And you is, know, you, you could bring Michael Dorn back. Is about the darker conflict aspects of it. Right. It's not about, it's not about, because. Audiences don't want to see the fact that these guys spend a good chunk of their day doing paperwork, even though that's the realities of of True. The, yeah. the, of investigations. <clears throat> but, yeah. Or you know, there's nothing more gripping than watching a detective do a computer search. <laughs> so you show the conflict and the and that's why that's why the Law and Order model works so because the first half of the show is the investigation, right, and the second half is the trial. Yeah. So you're you're gonna if you got a show about motorcycle cops. You're going to have a show about. There's going to be a lot of chases. Oh, there's going to be a lot of chases, but there's going to on be on the one hundred and one. Uh, wait, wait. 
Hang on. <laughs> okay, that's true. In the modern world, <laughs> in Los Angeles, time. there are no nobody's <laughs> moving fast on any highway in Los Angeles. <laughs> that actually, see, there's there's the there's, there's your parody. They just sit. There goes one. 20, well, but, well, no, but 25, I, 25 no, miles an hour. I can't nope. do it. You just do the camera and then you mail them the ticket. <laughs> you email them. Oh, you email them the ticket <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> See this? I want. I want somebody make this happen. Chips two point right? There we go. Oh <laughs> boy! Like, ah! <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think I think you need to have unknowns playing Zena and Gabby because mm-hmm. you're right. They there is there is going to be there's already going to be a preconceived notion going into it that they're not going to be as good for whatever you know legitimate reason or not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. You, you know, there's the comparison that's already been set sure. up. You know, mm-hmm. prove to me that these two are as good right. as Lucy Lawless and, and there, Renee O'Connor. And there are some folks you will never convince. No. They may actually be brilliant. And Lucy, the, Lucy Lawless could sit there and go, I wish I was this actress. Yeah, and I wish I could play the parts that she's playing now because she's doing me better than me. You know, she's, well, she's, you see that she is the perfect Xena. You see she that with say that, and there are people who would you see that with Wonder Woman. Sure. I mean, Linda Carter has given her stamp of approval on Gal Gadot, mm-hmm. and some people are still saying, "If eh, she's not Linda Carter." Well, and you know what? That, that's 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 just the way we are. That's you know, there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who plays the part. If you've got the person in your head, if there were you're never getting them out. If there was. The internet that we have now, <laughs> if that existed back when all of these shows had started mm-hmm. in the 80s, mm-hmm. Knight Rider, Chips, mm-hmm. Xena, mm-hmm. Hercules, yeah. they wouldn't be around. No. They wouldn't have lasted that long no. at all. I mean, just Fan like rage. that. Uh, <sighs> but, but shows, you know what? Uh, it depends. I mean, shows like Jericho. The fan reaction would have been yeah. There, um, they would have been virtual peanuts. Exactly, but the thing is, is that you would have had a bigger. It would have reaction. been. A, it would have been a peanut emoji. <laughs> Everybody would have been using uh, peanut emojis. But it would have been. But it would have been a, even bigger because yeah. it wouldn't require the actual going to the post office and buying the peanuts and mailing them thing. Well, the Star Trek. The mail and the mail-in uh, campaign to save Star Trek. Yeah, but that, you know what? Uh, B. Joe Trimble started. You know what? Uh, let that be your last battlefield. <clears throat> would have killed the show. Spock's brain. Spock's brain would have killed the show before that. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Paramount, I want a remote control your, that'll control my boyfriend like that. Delete you know? your TV show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, or the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. For yeah. all that we love that yeah. show, well, the first three seasons of Enterprise. Yeah. Well, and uh, that was that was with the internet. <laughs> the internet even existed there uh-huh. at that point. It actually was part of the part of the the reason that we got that instant. We knew how much although happy with that show, it was it really interesting though with Enterprise that when they announced Manny Cotto was coming on board as a producer, mm-hmm. the internet reacted fairly positively. Sure. A lot of people said, "Oh, Manny Cotto, mm-hmm. this might be a good thing," and that fourth season of Enterprise was the best one. And people were sat there said because Manny Cotto was involved mm-hmm. and was course correcting, but. If but it you, wasn't. It wasn't soon enough. If you don't get it right right away, yeah. Because we, when we talked about this with the Agents of Shield, how the folks who jumped ship in the first 
six episodes. Never came back. Never came back. And you see that now in the numbers. Yeah. They never came back. And and well, and and any Xena reboot is probably doubly under the gun because not only are we having the comparisons to the original cast, but the fact that it is the female lead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's been the subject of internet discussions and whirlwinds and everything else. I can think of other ones. Yeah. Um, When you consider the fact that it is, there are going to be the folks who are going to tune in for curiosity's sake. Right. And you got to grab them in the first episode. You don't have the option to not grab them in the first episode. And you're grabbing people that may not necessarily have watched the first one. So not only are right. you having to convince the classic fans, mm-hmm. not only are you having to convince genre fans in general, mm-hmm. but you're having to now convince people who may never have been part of genre fandom up to this point because oh hey supergirl's real popular this is another female hero let's check it out well and i think you're also that the potential to gain some folks from the fantasy the, the recent fantasy converts from game of thrones because okay. yeah I, okay because yeah. there is a darkness to the xena story that you have to have that because it's part of her character i just hope they don't do Dark and gritty. No, I don't think they. I mean, there, what do we know? What network it's going to be on? No, I don't think it's got a home yet. Okay, because there certainly there was fan service mm-hmm. for for everybody in the audience. If you wanted shirtless men, Xena and Hercules would provide. <laughs> if you wanted women in varying degrees of almost clothing, Xena and Hercules would provide. It was almost like William Tice. Did the costuming sometimes, <laughs> you know? That, wow, yeah. That dress on uh, on Carolyn Palamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. double-sided tape. TV. Nope. nope. Well, it was her. Uh, the, well, okay. According, according to Tice, it was all her. Wow. Anyway. So, um, yeah, fan service is right. But the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, you could do the dragons and stuff. Yeah, but well, we just had we just we just posted an article about the remake of Toxic Avenger, mm-hmm. and the remake of the Toxic Avenger is going to be more realistic, quote unquote, air quotes, realistic yeah. than the original. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm sitting there wondering, okay, one Toxic Waste, Toxic Avenger, you know, you only can go well, so far the, with realistic. The latter hour and a half of the film. He's in the hospital. Well, see, and but, he's got the diagnosis. But I'm wondering, die. <laughs> I'm wondering if Sorry. that's if if the realistic uh-huh. is the dark and gritty because we've heard those terms used interchangeably before. Well, with some of these uh, some of these films, I don't, I don't know. It, I'm. I just hope they don't do that with with Xena because Xena. One of the reasons why Xena worked so well mm-hmm. is because. Everybody had fun with the story. Oh, sure. Tongues were planted firmly in cheek when they mm-hmm. did that that show. They didn't take themselves seriously, and that's what made most of it work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was the dynamic between all of the characters and the interaction, but that interaction had that layer of we know we're play acting. Well, and, and not only that, but when when you were able to go into the into the more serious and darker places in the story and the characters, it it had more weight. Yeah, it meant something. And I think that if you don't have the sense of fun, 
In fact, what, what was the la- what was the last Hercules TV show? Wasn't there a wasn't there a young Hercules thing that was the that followed off of Kevin Sorbo's Hercules? You know, I think s- maybe there was, but I don't remember. And I think it did okay for for what it was. I don't recall ever watching it. But if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a, a well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cast Hercules too because if you don't if yep. you don't have Hercules show up, you're you're doing something wrong there too. Um, it's if you don't have the sense of fun, if you don't have the sense of of play, um, you're you're missing out on an opportunity that that the show that mattered to the to the show and, and to the original audiences. Mm-hmm. Now you can't also be completely beholden to the original audience. No, because you, if you if you decide that you're going to do that and really play up that sense of fun, you run the risk of appearing as if you're doing a parody. And I don't think they I don't think they're going to play up and no, do the parody. No, I don't think I don't it could be a misperception though. They could sit there and well, like sure. like Starsky and Hutch, you know. Well, no, it was kind of a parody. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't sold as a parody. No, no, and the, and the original show, the original show treated itself didn't treat itself as a mockery of or a parody of, right. of police procedurals. I think that you have an opportunity here to, and I and I'm because it's the people involved of bringing to a I guess an, an, the next generation. Uh, continuing the stories, telling new stories with the characters. And there's a better chance with this show than a lot of other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Star Trek Discovery, you've, you've had the advantage of doing a whole new ship, whole new crew, telling all new stories. That's actually an advantage. Yes. That frees you up as a storyteller. Yes, even though we're not going to get it for when no. they said that we were going to get it. But, you know, there's when you're remaking characters, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Superman or, or Kirk or... Robin Hood or whatever, when you remake a Doctor Who, you 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 automatically have the audience expectation of the previous one, right? No matter you know James Bond, yeah. Um, if you don't if you don't have that expectation, then the previous version did the guy did a terrible job. <laughs> because to be honest, can you tell me anything about the last two Hercules movies? Uh, there were two of them in the last. Five years, only, years? Only that uh, Dwayne Johnson was in one of them. Mm-hmm. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Who was in the other one? Uh, some guy. Some guy. Yeah. All right. And that tells you exactly how well it became a cultural touchstone. Yes. Well, and hopefully our our episodes become a cultural t- touchstone at some point, maybe. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know that we're ever going to be that popular. <laughs> but... I'll take it. Uh, you know, that uh, that does give me a place where I can I can say we're done with this All particular right. conversation. Now, for those of you who would like to continue uh, discussing offline, you can leave your comments uh, either at sci-fi4me.com or on, on our social media. Or you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. And uh, be sure to catch the next episode of the Echo Chamber where we expand on this and talk more about reboots and remakes in general. Uh, the last Sci-Fi for Chicks episode talked about the, the, the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. thing, reboot, remake, sequel, thing, whatever whatever it has ended up being. Uh, so that's out there, but we're also going to discuss just reboots in general, remakes in general. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? When, you know, or, or is it, you know? case by case so that's coming up and uh 
And that's going to do it for us here. Uh, Timothy Harvey. Always a pleasure, sir. My name is Jason Hunt. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of H2O. We will be back next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2009.